Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Love us to bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come here this morning and sing these songs, praising your name, bringing you the honor and glory that you deserve for what you did for us upon the cross. I pray that we can turn our attention to your word and listen as your Holy Spirit interprets this message to our hearts from what you have for us from your word this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in our sermon series titled, Testing Our Assurance. And quite simply, we can look at the series just like this. A way to be in a position to be confident, to know that your salvation in Jesus Christ is guaranteed. No one, like John writes from the words of Jesus himself in the Gospel of John, no one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Here at Villa's Grace, we preach and teach that our salvation is guaranteed. It's assured. You cannot lose your salvation once you come to a saving faith in Jesus. Something else in life that we like to be assured of, we like to be guaranteed is... The courtroom, the court system, we want the courts to be ironclad, don't we? Have you ever heard of Lady Justice? What you see on the screen here right now is Lady Justice. I know some of us have seen her before. Maybe we know who she is, maybe you don't. But see, Lady Justice originated as a Roman deity. See, emperors would want to align their regime to the morals and virtues of Lady Justice. Why? Well, because she was considered to be the moral force within the judicial system. So we're talking about justice. How would you define justice? How do we define this word justice? Justice can be defined a few different ways, but one of the ways is this. It could be the quality of being just or righteous. Justice can also be defined as the administering of punishment or reward in Fairness, whether it's punishment or whether it's a reward, it's done so in fairness. And this is what Lady Justice represented to Rome. Our American culture appreciates the idea of justice too, don't we? What what do we say? We, We say things like, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. We understand that there are consequences to our actions, don't we, because of justice. Church, as fallen beings, there are consequences to our actions too. Our sin has temporal consequences here in this life, in this life now, but our sin also has eternal consequences. Even as Christians in our daily walk, our motto should be, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Why? Because we should know that we could never be in a position to have satisfied the justice of our holy God. However, however, 
there was one who could. And that brings us to the title for our sermon this morning, Our Holy Defense. Our Holy Defense. We're going to be in the text of 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. So please, if you want to in your Bibles, turn with me. If not, no worries. Just like always, the text will be on the screen for you. Last week, Pastor Jared reminded us that as long as we journey through this life, this life here right now, we will always be sinners in need of a Savior. We were reminded that one of the marks of a true Christian is someone who continues to learn about their sinfulness. And that is what it's all about. It's not about being perfect. It's not about doing this or doing that. It's about learning, getting to understand your sinfulness. And as we learn, we're comforted by the notion that we can always, always turn to Jesus for forgiveness. No matter what. Today we're going to see exactly how Jesus has achieved this forgiveness for us. The reason why we can turn to him no matter what. So please follow along as we journey, continue our journey through 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the world. Amen. When we take these verses this morning and throw them into one sentence, our main idea is this. Jesus defends us from God's holy, just punishment of sin. Jesus defends us from God's holy, that's a key word, holy, because God is holy. His holy, just punishment of sin. And another key word in there is just, because God is justified. He is just in his punishment of our sin. Now, with this statement being stated, we need to ask a question. This morning we're asking this question. How has Jesus defended us? How exactly has he defended us? He's defended us by serving our punishment for us. That's what he's done. Jesus has served the punishment that I deserved. Jesus has served the punishment that you deserve. Jesus has served the punishment that we deserve. He's done this for us. See, when you see a newspaper headline like this that says, Jury speaks not guilty. Not guilty. Do you know who this headline's about? Do you know who this headline is really about? Now, some of you may be thinking of some famous cases that have gone out recently. But we're not talking about anybody else because this headline right here is all about you. This headline right here is all about me. This headline is about us. Not guilty. Not guilty even though we are 
guilty. Individually, each one of our lives are on trial. Every word spoken, every deed done, we're on trial. So who's the judge? If we're on trial for every deed done and every word spoken, who's the judge? God. God is the judge. So if God's the judge, we need to identify who the prosecuting attorney is. Who's the prosecuting attorney? Satan. He's the prosecuting attorney. Well, then that brings us to a defense attorney. We're on trial. Who's our defense attorney? Our defense attorney is none other than Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, you can think of him as like the bailiff carrying out the work of the judge. So there is some good news and some bad news concerning this case against you, this case against me, this case against us. There's good news and bad news. Which would you like first, the good or the bad? I'll give you the bad. You want the bad news first? Satan, as the prosecuting attorney, has an ironclad case against you. You're not going to beat the rap, according to him. In fact, we shouldn't beat the rap. Because he's sitting there reminding God of everything that we've done. And guess what the problem is? We're not guilty. See, at this point, we're guilty as charged. Every single thing that Satan reminds God of that you have done, God knows that you're guilty too. He can sit there and say, yes, they are guilty. But there's some good news. The good news is this. Even though Satan, as the prosecuting attorney, is sitting there saying, guilty, 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 and we have no defense on our own, the good news is this. Jesus is there to defend us. Let's look at verse 1 again. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We must remember that last week we learned that confession leads to forgiveness, right? Pastor Jared did a marvelous job of walking us through that. It's like confession brings us freedom. That freedom, and we now know that we're not guilty. So John is saying this. He's saying, writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But we have confession, which leads to forgiveness. So does this mean that we're not going to sin? No. We're still going to sin. Does this mean that you can keep confessing your way to forgiveness? Well, kind of. Does this mean that you have a license to sin then? No. We don't have a license to sin. If we think confession is a license to sin, do you know what we're really saying then? If we think that, if we think that we can just confess and keep on getting out of sin as we continue on this journey, continue on this path, you know what we're really saying about sin? We're saying that we're powerless against it. And if Jesus is our defense attorney, I don't think that that's true. It's like saying, no matter what I do, I'm going to keep on sinning. The tricky part here is that there is some truth in that last statement, though. Yes, we will. As Pastor Jared reminded us last week, as long as we journey through this life, we will always be sinners in need of a Savior. We know that's true. But however, we can defeat sin in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like this. 
Before Jesus, we were imprisoned by our sin. Now we're free by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. So what does this mean for you as you go through your life each day, each week, each month, each year? If you know that you're going to continue to keep on sinning, but you know you don't have a license to do so because you can't just overuse confession of sin over and over again, what does this mean for us each day, each week, each month, each year as we continue on? our journey towards Christ. See, you're on a journey to become holy as Jesus himself is holy. Your journey as a Christian isn't about what you do. That's where we get it all wrong. Your journey is not about what you do. Your journey as a Christian is about what you don't do. See, it's not as much about coming to church on Sunday, as it is about confession. So again, what does this mean for you as you go through each day, each week, each month, each year of your life? To understand why John writes at the end of verse 1, what does he say? He says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. See, Satan is that prosecutor saying, guilty of this, 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 and this. And God knows that you're guilty. You know that you're guilty. In fact, there's sin in your life right now that you're guilty of that you don't even know that you're guilty because you're not mature enough as a believer to be convicted of that sin yet. But we can say it with great confidence, yes, I am guilty. But Jesus, the defense, where it says right here, advocate, that's how we know Jesus is our defense. Because he's our advocate, as John writes. He steps in and says, your honor... My client is guilty, but I will serve their sentence. That's what Jesus has done for us. So the question for ourselves is this. Am I living each day as though Jesus Christ is defending me? Am I living from an appreciation of his defense? Now, I know some of you are asking, what does this look like in my personal walk, though? I get it. How, how do I live my life in such a way that others know that I appreciate the fact that Jesus Christ is my defense, that he served my sentence for me? How can I identify that I'm on a journey to become holy as Jesus himself is holy? And what we call this, that big $25 seminary word that defines becoming holy as Jesus is holy, it's this big word called sanctification. Sanctification is simply becoming holy, going through the process of becoming holy like Jesus is holy. But see, how do we do this? How do we even know that we're going through this process? Because I know a lot of us come here and say, well, I'm a believer. I grew up in the church. I've been coming here every Sunday for 10 years. I, some of you say I've been coming here every Sunday for 25 years. But you know who you are. You're still struggling with some of this. You're struggling to identify with the fact, am I really becoming holy as Jesus is holy? Some of us here struggle with the concept of, I like the concept of Jesus and him being my defense. But am I living as though he is? So how? How can we apply this to our lives? See, I think quite simply what we can do is, we can do this by learning to trace all physical actions to their place of origin. Now, I want to break that down for you. 
See, as a believer, you know that you shouldn't murder, right? I don't think anybody in here thinks that it's okay to go out and murder somebody. But some of you would say, I never have. I've never committed murder. But if you can trace the physical act back to the place of origin, you will realize that every one of us in here has, in fact, been guilty of murder. So when Satan, as the prosecuting attorney in front of Jesus, the defense attorney, in front of God the judge, in front of the Holy Spirit carrying out the work of the Father, says they're guilty of murder, guess what? You're guilty as charged. I'm guilty as charged. Where's the smoking gun? Did you pull the trigger? If you've hated somebody, go back to that place of origin because that place of origin of hatred leads to murder. But if you've hated somebody, you've murdered them in your heart. Do you see where I'm getting at here? If you can go back, if you can trace all of your sinfulness back to the place of origin, which is your heart, trust me. If you're looking at your sin like that, trust me, you are probably on the path to becoming holy like Jesus is holy. See, the problem is we don't see ourselves as being complete yet, but God does. Now, let me give you another example that's a little more extreme. Let's say a young man had a habit of visiting prostitutes. He comes to a saving faith in Christ. Now, he knows that visiting a prostitute is not a good thing, especially since he's married. So he repents of that sin. And he no longer is visiting prostitutes. But he still has that sin problem. Well, then it turns into looking at images of women that he probably shouldn't. Comes to a realization further on his walk, that, hey, maybe I shouldn't be looking at that. So he repents of that. He's done with that now. But then he realizes, man, like, I can't even make it through one checklist going through the grocery store without checking out the females. So then he realizes, I need to start repenting of this. You see what I'm saying here? It's a process. Even though we are guilty, you can rest assured of your salvation if you keep on recognizing the origins of your sin. And it's right there in your heart. So if you know Jesus Christ, the righteous, as it says here, and you know that he has defended, is defending, and will defend you, you probably are on the path to becoming holy like he is holy. And this is why we're so thankful that Jesus defends us from God's just punishment of sin. Jesus defends us from God's just punishment of sin. While we're asking the question, How has Jesus defended us? He's defended us by serving our punishment for us. It's economically sound to meet demand with supply. So staying with our courtroom theme, think of demand and supply being balanced out on the scales of justice. Have you ever attempted to purchase something just to find out that it was backordered? Don't you hate going to a store and you see on the shelf that there's none there, and then you get a sales associate, and then you ask them, do you have any more in the back? And then you 
find out that they're actually back-ordered. You don't leave the transaction satisfied, do you? See, God has a demand of his own. The demand of God is holy. His demand is holiness. That's why he's making us holy as Jesus is holy. However, the supply is not. So think of God's demand as punishment. Now think of the supply as being sin. As a holy God, he has to punish sin. Why? Because he loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us. But as long as we're sinners, he cannot be in a relationship with us because a sinner has no business being in a relationship with a holy God. But we're so thankful for what he did upon the cross for us so he can be in this relationship with us. So speaking of punishment, do you know how I used to get Leighton's attention and Reese's attention when they were much younger? Only thing I'd have to say, if they were out of line, I'd say, do you want me to drop the hammer? And I dropped that hammer until the last time I dropped the hammer on Leighton, he started laughing at me because it didn't hurt. So in order for God to punish sin, he has to drop the hammer on our sin problem. However, there's a catch. If God dropped the hammer on us, we wouldn't survive it. Therefore, God would never be pleased. He would never be satisfied. This is part of the bad news in which we talked about. So what's the good news? The good news is only Jesus could take on God's full, complete hammer dropping. What's the result of him doing this? Because Jesus took on God's full wrath, God exhausted his wrath. He had no more wrath left to give because he put all of that on Jesus. The result was God being pleased and God being satisfied. Verse 2, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That word propitiation is a real doozy, isn't it? That's one of those when you get asked to read a verse out loud, and if you have propitiation in there, you kind of like just stumble over it. Anybody know that Rolling Stones song, I Can't Get No? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I Can't Get No Satisfaction. You can replace the word propitiation with satisfaction, and it has the exact same meaning. Mick Jagger could have been saying, I can't get no propitiation. Okay, It means the same thing. So if you ever see that word in Scripture, just understand Mick Jagger could have used it. The word propitiation means to appease, to satisfy. See, God was pleased when he punished Christ for our sin. Do you know what the first part of this verse is really saying? When we look at it, when we break this down, you know what this first part is really saying? It's saying God is satisfied. It's saying God is pleased with us. Because of what Jesus did. That's what this verse is saying. Jesus demonstrated two things on the cross. He demonstrated his mercy to us and his faithfulness to God. He was crushed, Isaiah says. He was crushed. Isaiah predicted, prophesied that he would be crushed for our iniquities, our transgressions. That's faithfulness. But that's also showing us mercy. Now we know that God's holy demand to punish the supply of sin is not limited. 
How do we know that God's ability to punish sin is not limited? We know that this is true because of the second half of verse 2. What does it say? It says, and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. Christ's sacrificial death is limited to those who believe. And this is so important for us to get this down. Jesus' sacrificial death is limited only to those who believe, but is available to all who do, all who have, and all who will walk this earth. Unfortunately, not everyone will be saved. We can't look at this verse and say everyone's going to be saved, no. But what we know is everybody has the potential of being saved. So as Mike and Zara come up, I want to just share a couple of things going on with our two verses from 1 John this morning. First, we can rest assured that our eternal salvation has successfully been defended by Jesus. Jesus is our defense attorney. But secondly, this whole world is worthy of being our mission field. We can't forget that. So what type of Christian do you want to be? Do you want to share the good news that Jesus Christ is our advocate everywhere you go in this world? Do you want to be a partner with a local church such as Villa's Grace that's focused on doing just that? And let me give you an example. I dislike calling people out, but I'm going to call a special young lady out this morning, senior in high school at Fort Myers High, Rachel Siegel, who was a greeter this morning. You never know how the Lord's going to use you. This is a challenge for all of us. There was about 20 or so of us meeting in my home, Hope and I's home, and before we came to this church. We had kids, we had young kids that needed to be watched while we had our little service in the living room. So we hired our neighbor to come down and watch the kids. Then she finds out about the youth group, and the rest is history. She starts coming to church here. She comes to a saving faith in Christ. She's going to be baptized this spring here at Villa's Grace. Hope and I had no idea. We had no idea that the Lord was going to use us. See, that's what he's doing with all of us. That's the reason why we want to do life groups. Because it's an opportunity for you to share your faith. If you're just coming here on Sunday morning, it's not not going to cut it. It's not going to cut the mustard. The Lord wants to use you. Our church is beyond Sunday morning. Yes, we love Sunday morning. We love coming together. But we also want to get together outside of Sunday morning. I want to see the Lord use you. That gets me excited. That encourages me. You can reach far more people than what I can. We can do this together. Church, we want to see conversions here at Villa's Grace. That's what kind of growth we want. We don't want people coming from other churches. We want the type of growth that is people coming to a saving faith in Christ for the first time. We want to celebrate salvation and baptize new believers. And, and maybe that conversion is you. That's tough. But maybe that conversion is you. Maybe you've been attending here for a while. Maybe this is the first you've even heard that Jesus is your holy defense. Maybe you're embarrassed to admit it. Maybe the Lord is asking you, maybe he's asking you to take your first step in letting others know that Jesus satisfied God. Because what does it say? This morning, John wrote, for the sins of the whole world. 
Maybe the Lord's asking you to take your first step in doing that. That's why we're left behind. That's why we're exiled. That's the reason why Jesus said he's coming back. But the reason he's coming back is because he left us behind to share this message with others. All of us have been gifted to share the gospel. We've all been gifted in such a way that we can share the gospel when we don't even know that we're doing so. He wants to use us. Let's allow him to do that as we move forward. We've been a church of great physical growth over the last year. But this year it's about spiritual growth. This year is about spiritual growth. We should all be able to say, we've grown spiritually this year. We're maturing. We're becoming holy as He is holy. And it's the reason why we look at this text this morning and say, with confidence, Jesus defends us from God's holy, just punishment of sin. But we ask the question, how has Jesus defended us? He's defended us by serving our punishment for us. Lord, I want to pray for us as a church. I pray that you can use us to share your good news, this message of salvation, that we can take the message of you being our defense, our holy defense to others. Thank you for all the work that you're doing, have done, and will do in the future. Pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email connect at villasgrace.com. Dot com.